Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us for today's lesson in the series, Falling Forward. Our guest leader today is Gary Deaver, and he takes a look at David the Shepherd versus Goliath the Giant in a lesson titled, Defeating Your Giants. Join us as Gary shows us how giants affect our lives and then gives us some realistic ways to deal with them. That's from um, Princess Bride. It's one of my favorite movies. It probably shows the level of my maturity, but uh, I I really enjoy that. Um, Especially like the part when the man in black is fighting the giant. And uh, he says, are you just fiddling with me or what? And the giant says, well, I just want you to feel like you are doing well. I hate for someone to die embarrassed, you know, and that's kind of the way it is, you know. And it's really interesting as you watch this film clip, uh, the giant is actually a kind, benevolent sort of guy and doesn't really want to hurt anyone. Um, But in our text this morning, we're going to look at a different giant, a giant who isn't kind, who isn't benevolent, uh, a giant who is ruthless, who is a trained warrior, and who wants to destroy as many Israelites as he can. The man's name is Goliath. Familiar story to most of you, uh, David versus Goliath. And uh, as we talk about this morning, defeating your giants, if you're an A's fan, you probably will like the sermon. Um, Wrong kind of giant, right? So we're talking about the situations in our lives that seem enormous, that seem uh, unsurmountable, insurmountable, that seem impassable, these kinds of giants. Let's look at our text. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and let's read this starting with verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and his Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from Philistine the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Phil- on hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. It's really interesting as we look at this passage, we're looking at this giant called Goliath who comes out and he terrified the nation of Israel. And as I think about this, I was thinking, you know, we also have giants that we face that terrify us. Um, These aren't giants that walk up and down the hills of Elah, but our giants are the giants that shout out to us with past failures. Our giants shout out to us fears of inadequacy. Our giants shout out to us Uh, sexual abuse from the past, financial difficulties. Our giants come to us and they work on our emotions. Your Goliath doesn't wear armor or carry a sword or spear, but he brings you bills you cannot pay. 
He brings you family situations you don't know what to do about. Your giants shout at you and scare you to death. This morning, I want to look at two things from our passage of how giants affect us and then what we can do to defeat our giants. First of all, how do our giants affect us? The first thing I see about giants from our passage is that giants are intimidating. They scare you to death. Goliath steps out, as we saw from our passage, and he shouts to the nation of Israel, and he defies them, and he terrifies them. It's kind of like before a boxing fight or a boxing match or the ultimate fighting challenge. I don't know if you've ever watched these, but you see the two fighters, and, you know, and they show pictures of the fighters, and they're standing like this, you know. Hard looks, you know, their shirts off, they got the muscles rippling, you know, you know I'm, I'm the toughest act in town, you know. And then they interview him, and they say, yeah, I'm going to tear his face off, I'm going to throw him on the ground, I'm going to stomp him, I'm going to kill him. And all these things are done to intimidate and to terrify, you know. I'm reminded of the movie Rocky some years ago where uh, it was like the third or fourth or fifth, I don't know which number it was of Rocky. It's when Mr. T was in the movie. And you remember they interviewed Mr. T, and he's got his mohawk there, and his muscle, he's just tough. And they asked him, he said, what do you predict for this fight? And he said, you remember the line? Pain. That's what he predicted. Pain. And that's kind of Goliath. He's coming out, and he's shouting to the nation of Israel, and he's defying them. And it goes beyond that, because not only is he defying the nation of Israel, he is defying Israel's God. So he's shouting these fears, he's shouting these things, and it says here in verse 11, obviously it's working on them because it says, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the enemy, all the Israelites rather, were dismayed and terrified. I looked at the word dismayed just out of curiosity, and the word dismayed actually means to be broken so as to be completely disabled. Isn't that interesting? To be broken so as to be completely disabled. They were a wreck. The army was completely falling apart from this Goliath giant shouting his, his terrorist threats. When it's applied to the mind, the word means to be overwhelmed, broken, or faint-hearted. You know, you can see the picture. Goliath is out there. Send someone out to fight with me. If he defeats me, we'll be your servants. If I defeat him, you'll be our servants. And the guy is huge. He's He's enormous. These guys, Israelites, were terrified by looking at him. And I can see King Saul. You know, the giant's there, his troops are behind him, and King Saul kind of looks around and he says, hmm, who can I pick? Who will go? Who will go? And I can see the troops saying, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. And they're you know, down in their armor as low as they can get. Reminds me of a time when I was, years ago when I was in high school, I was a freshman, and I went out for water polo. And I was a fast swimmer, so they put me... Stupid idea, but they put me on the varsity swim team, on the uh, varsity water polo. And, and I had to, f- you know, play with these seniors and juniors, and these guys were big and strong and experienced and fighting. And, you know, and I was just a freshman. I didn't, I was just a fast swimmer. What were they thinking? So they put me on the varsity team, and I sat on the bench quite a bit. And then I remember one game specifically was a rough game, really hard. And I don't know if you know anything about water polo, but in those days especially, you know, you could just kind of maul the person. You know, you just, ah, you kill them. They've got the ball, so you just go after them. And there's a lot of kicking underwater, and people are, you know, kicking. And fouls are going on right and left. So finally the coach pulls one of our guys out. And just like Saul, the coach does this, to look around. Well, who can I put in? And I found myself saying, Don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. And I started shrinking down into my armor. Of course, the only thing I had on was a bathing suit, so I didn't have very much to shrink into. You know, but that's the feeling. They were terrified. 
this Goliath was coming out for them. And they didn't want to go out and fight him. They were completely disabled as a fighting force. And you know, whenever we face our giants, whenever they come into our lives, we find that we're, we're terrified by them. They're very intimidating, aren't they? Aren't they? Whatever it is you're going through this morning, whether it's finances, whether it's health, whether it's family situations, marital situations, whatever it might be, the giants are terrifying. They're enormous. And we find ourselves becoming afraid and terrified by them. We all have giants, and they scare us to death. The other thing I find out about giants is that giants are very discouraging. You know, Goliath stood nine feet, nine inches tall. He was enormous. I don't think I've ever seen anybody that tall. Have you? Nine feet, nine inches tall. The, the head of his spear alone, not just a spear, but the head on it, the iron head, weighed about 16 pounds. His armor weighed about 125 pounds. I mean, I couldn't even lift the stuff, you know. But Goliath would fight in. He was enormous. He was huge. And then notice this in verse 20 through 24. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him. Now remember, David was just a shepherd boy from the family of Jesse. And he was just going occasionally to the court of Saul to play for him. We saw in chapter 16, David played the harp and soothed Saul's troubled spirit. Remember that? Last week, chapter 16. So he would go occasionally, but mostly he was just tending sheep. And so he's a shepherd boy, and then his dad sends him out to take food to the ranks, to his brothers, see how they're doing, make sure they got some food. So he ran out there, and it says here that he went out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. It's kind of interesting. Israel's going out, and they're shouting the war cry. I don't know what their war cry was. Maybe it was, kill the Philistines, kill the Philistines. Ah! You know, and you've seen these movies where they're all going out for battle, and they're, yeah, yeah, you know, and you can practically see all the pom-pom girls there saying, Israel, Israel, that's our crew. Israel, Israel, go Jews, yay. You know, I mean, there's a lot of pomp and circumstances going on. You know, it's, it's a great scene. They have a real positive attitude as they go out to face these, this army of the Philistines. But notice verse 21, it says, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out of his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Now notice this in verse 24. When the Israelites saw the man, they ran from him in great fear. Did you catch that? It wasn't his words that time that scared them. They just saw the guy, and it scared him to death. He was enormous. The Israelites were all excited with a great attitude in the beginning, but their attitude turns to actions of paranoia at the end, and they begin to run just because they looked at this guy, and they thought, what chance do we have? What odds do we have in overcoming this? Have you ever counted the odds in your situation with your giants? Look at your finances. You think, you know what? We can never pay this off. What about your health? You know, we're never going to get well. It's just going to haunt us forever. And you can become discouraged because discouragement keeps beating you down and beating you down and beating you down. You know, sometimes we see the giants in our lives and we get so discouraged that we can't do anything. You ever been too discouraged to pray? Too discouraged to really do anything? You're just beat down by the problem. 
And that's the way the Israelites were. They were beat down by the problem. You know, sometimes our giants loom up so big in front of us that that's all we see is the problem. We can't see God working behind the scene. We just see the giant of discouragement in front of us. One thing I know about discouragement is that discouragement and hope cannot coexist. They're mutually exclusive. You can't have discouragement and have hope. And you can't have hope and have discouragement. We get discouraged and we have no hope. And we have an enemy that loves to fan the flames of discouragement. His name is Satan. And he loves to keep us discouraged and beat down because we find that we get in situations and we think, you know what? I don't see any possible way to get out of this situation. This giant is so huge before me. I don't know how we're going to get out of it. I don't see any avenue. I don't think things will ever change. They'll always be that way. You ever get in situations like that? You think, you know what? This is the way it's always going to be. You know, always is a long time. But that's how Satan wants us to see things. Satan always presents things from a distorted perspective. You ever notice that about him? He doesn't present the truth. He always presents a little subtle lie. Oh, he presents part of the truth, but there's always a lie attached in there. Remember when the Garden of Eden, when he told Eve, you know, you eat the fruit, you're not going to die. God just giving you a smoke screen. He just doesn't want you to know as much as he knows. Well, they did die. They died spiritually. They didn't die physically right then, but they started the process of death. You see, Satan always creates and presents a distorted view. He never presents a truth. And he wants you to be discouraged, and he'll keep beating you down. The third thing that giants do is that giants are paralyzing to us. Notice verse 16. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and stood, took his stand. Now, I don't know if you ever noticed that about this story of David and Goliath. We often think about it. You know, Goliath came out, shouted the defiance. David ran, grabbed a stone, hit him in the head, killed him, cut off his head. Done. Victory for the Jews. But he came out for 40 days. He repeated the same defiant shouts to Israel and to God. 40 days. And not only 40 days, he did it morning and evening. Morning and evening, he would come out shouting his threats to terrorize them, to paralyze them. And you know, and our giants do the same things in our lives. When you're facing a giant, maybe you're facing one this morning, you wake up thinking about it. It goes with you throughout the day. It tucks you in bed at night. And sometimes it haunts your dreams, doesn't it? See, our giants loom up in front of us, and it's like all we can think about. They're so big, and they keep us from doing anything. They keep us from moving forward. I like this verse in 1 Peter 5.8, because this is what our giants do to us. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I'm told that lions roar for various reasons. Uh, One of the reasons is to attract a mate. But another reason is to terrorize and paralyze a prey. You see, the little deer prances out, or gazelle, whatever it might be, and the lion creeps up, and he lets out this enormous roar that shatters the air, and the animal is so paralyzed and afraid, it doesn't know which way to run. And it just freezes in its tracks, and the lion can just come up and eat it up. And that's what Satan does with, with the giants that he brings us things that loom up. It's like a lion roaring at us. And we hear the roar so much that we're paralyzed. We're afraid to move. We're defeated. We're discouraged. 
So what do we do? How do we overcome these giants? How do we defeat the giants? There's five things that I think we see in the text here that I'd like to bring out this morning. First of all, you have to realize who you are. You know, one thing David did that no one else in the nation of Israel did is that he realized that he belonged to God. He realized he belonged to God. You know, when the Israelites were facing Goliath, if you look at the text, no one was talking about God. No one. David shows up on the scene and he talks about no one but God. What do you do whenever you face your problems, your giants? Are you talking about God or are you just talking about the enormity of the problem, the odds against getting over this, the hugeness of the problem, the seriousness of the problem? We need to recognize and realize that we belong to God. This passage in chapter 17 really demonstrates some very interesting things. Um, and it keeps bigger and bigger and bigger the more you look at it. One of the things that I think it demonstrates is that Saul was still operating in the flesh. Saul, remember, no longer, God was no longer with him. He had, he had left Saul. And so Saul was constantly looking at the flesh, constantly looking at the humanness of things. How do I do this from a human realm? He wasn't looking at God. And you contrast that with David, who knew he belonged to God, and knew that God was in control, and it gave him boldness. Because you get boldness when you recognize that God's in control and that you belong to him. Notice in verse 26, when David was talking to the men in the army, David says this. And notice, David kept repeating over and over again that this is God's army. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? Now notice verse 36, David is talking to Saul, King Saul. He says, your servant has killed both a lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And then verse 45 and 46, I think this is really interesting. Even when David stood before Goliath, you know, I'm I'm really great at talking big when no one is around, you know, but when somebody's there, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm always amazed at these people who can mouth off to their wives, you know, these guys that are so tough and they fight with their wives, they call them this and they can tell them that. Well, let me see them do that to a group of hell's angels. You know, go ahead and mouth off now and see how tough you are. But they won't do that. Because they're really cowards. I mean, they pick on somebody that they can't defend themselves or it's weaker. I had a friend in high school. It was really cool. When we were in high school, you know, I was, I was kind of a thug. You know, Well, I thought I was a thug. You know, we drove around and we were tough, you know, arm out the window and we're tough, you know. And, and uh, I remember one time we were riding around with a friend of mine and, and he loved to just, you know, badmouth people, just talk smack to them right and left. And he was driving along and he was saying, you punk, you know, I'm going to kick your face in, you know, you come over to this car and... But the window was rolled up, so the guy couldn't hear him. You know, he loved to do that. You know, all the guy saw was this. Yeah, he didn't know what was going on. He thought he was having a you know spasm or something, epileptic attack. He didn't know what was going on. But you know, it's easy to talk big when you're not in front of somebody. But David, standing right in front of Goliath, now he says this. David said to the Philistine in verse 45, "You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled." Defied. Verse 46, "Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." Man, I wish we would talk to our giants like that when they come our way. 
What about the giant of depression? Do you talk to it like that? Say, you know what? I'm a child of the living God. You're not going to have victory over me. If you know Christ this morning and you belong to him, I want to tell you, you're an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ. You're blood-bought, blood-washed in the Lamb's blood. You're a child of the living God. Satan has no power over you unless you let him. We belong to God. Do you believe that? You're God's child. David knew who he was. He knew that he belonged to God. And when you recognize that you belong to God, it gives you boldness, just like it did to David. You think David was bold on his own? He was bold because he knew he belonged to God. He knew he was God's child. The question is, do you? Do you know you're God's child when you face the giants? Because you are. God's there to fight your battles. The next thing we need to do, the second thing, is that we need to refuse, from our, uh, refuse to run from our giants. You know, the first tendency I have, I don't know about you, is to run whenever there's a problem. I don't like to face the problem. I don't like to have the stress. Uh, I don't sign up for courses in suffering. I don't like that. I want to run. I want to get out of there. But God wants us to stand. David saw Goliath when he went out there, and this Goliath was real, just like your giants and your Goliaths are real. But he didn't run from him. He actually ran toward the giant. Notice what he says in verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Isn't that great? I mean, you wouldn't find me doing that. I'd be running the other way. But David ran toward the giant. When was the last time you ran toward your Goliath? When you said, you know what? You're not going to defeat me. I'm a child of God, and I'm going to run toward you. Because you see, giants never go away, do they? They don't go away on their own. You're not going to defeat the giants in your life by avoiding them, by running from them, because they'll just keep tracking you down. At least they do in my life. Maybe it's some giant of emotional struggle that you're going through, some anguish that you're facing. You know what? The giant's not going to go away. You've got to face it, and you've got to face it with God. We need to realize who we are in God. We need to refuse to run from our giants. Third thing, uh, if you notice, actually, verse uh, six, chapter 6 of Ephesians. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Why do you think he put this in the Bible? Because he wants us to run? Now, I don't know about you, but when I put on armor, I don't run very well. And in fact, the armor of the day was only for offense. It wasn't for defense. It was for attacking. There was no coverage in the back for running. Right? You turn and run, you're wide open. And God knows that about Satan, too. He says, you know what? You can't run from him. He's there. You need to, what does he say? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because giants are out to destroy you, but we have to stand against them. We have to refuse to run. The third thing we have to do is we have to rely on God. Notice verse 38 through 40. It says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, his, uh, chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, 
he approached the Philistines. You know, there's a couple things, I think, to notice here. First of all, you can see Saul still trying to operate in the flesh, still trying to operate on just the humanness of things. And, you know, you can never defeat your giants that way. You can never defeat your giants just by trying to go it alone. The second thing I see is that David believed in God. He relied on God. He recognized who he was, but he still prepared for battle. You see that? He picked up five smooth stones, things that he was used to. And he says, you know what? God's delivered me before with these, and he's going to deliver me again. God's able to deliver you. We need to keep trusting him. Question is, is how big is your God? How big is your trust in God? Do you trust God to deliver you, even though you don't know what the outcome's going to be yet? Even though you may not understand how in the world it can happen? How, how in the world is he going to bring you through this? Is he big enough for you to trust for that? I love Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being assured of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Is your God big enough to trust even though you don't know what he's going to do? It's great whenever we can see what God's doing. Oh, yeah, God's working here. It's great. We can trust him. But how about when he's not working? When you don't have the answer to the problem yet? When the giant hasn't been defeated yet? Is God big enough to trust? The fourth thing we need to do is recognize that it's God's battle. You know, David knew that it was God's battle to fight, and there was no way that he could defeat the giant on his own. No way. He's got this little, what, probably 16-year-old kid, scrunty, uh, scraggly, runty-looking guy, and he's going to go out and defeat this warrior, who's not only a warrior, but the Bible says that he's a champion of the Philistines. He's the best of the best. There's no way David could defeat him on his own. But he went out, and verse 47 says this. Notice what David says to Goliath as he's recognizing that it's God's battle. He says, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. You know, whatever you're going through this morning, whatever giant you're facing, it's really a spiritual battle. It's not a physical one. You know, we, we often want to just kind of relegate things to a spiritual battle, but it's not. It's spiritual. And God is working on our behalf. Notice what he says in Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The c- construction there, and actually in the original language, it means to strengthen yourselves in the Lord. This is something that you actively have to do. Well, how do we do that? How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? We strengthen ourselves by arming ourselves with right mental attitudes, arming ourselves with faith in God, arming ourselves with dependence on God, knowing that God's going to accomplish a great thing in our life. Ephesians 6 continues in verse 11. It says this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. We need to stand our ground, recognize that it's God's battle, and he'll help us defeat the giants in our lives. The fifth thing is that we need to rehearse your past victories. Very interesting. Notice in verse 54. After David killed Goliath with a stone, he went up, he took his sword out, he cut his head off. And it says, David took the Philistine's head and he brought it to Jerusalem. And he took the Philistine's weapons to his own tent. 
Now, why in the world did he do that? Why in the world did David take Goliath's armor and his sword and his spear to his own tent? I mean, he couldn't use them for battle. They were way too big. You know, maybe he was going to sell them on eBay. I, you know, maybe he's going to take them to the Jerusalem pawn shop and buy a new sling. You know, I don't know what he was going to do. But, you know, I think the reason he took them to his tent is he took them there as a reminder of his past victories. You see, the greatest defense I think we have for the giants that we face is to rehearse your past victories. Not just remember them, but to rehearse them in your mind. It's like, why do we give trophies and medals to people who accomplish great things. It's so that they can look at the wall and they can see the trophy or they can see the medal and say, you know what, I remember this victory. What medals and trophies are you having in your lives? What has God done for you that you can look back in your mental hall of fame, if you will, and say, you know what, I see, I remember what God did here. He provided finances for this. He healed me when I was sick. He helped me through this sexual abuse problem that I had then. The struggles that I faced, he helped my child when he was at death's door. Do you have those kind of victories and those kind of trophies in your remembrance? Because that will help you overcome the giants when we rehearse the victories and know that they're in our lives. Notice what Psalm 103 says, and I love this. Praise the Lord. And this is David writing this, the man who had great victories in his life to remember. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and notice this, and forget not all his benefits. You know, God is in the business of providing great benefits for us, and we need to trust him. David had a great victory here in in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And as I conclude, I just want to remind you that you look at this and you may think, wow, that's great for David. He was was a great man. Uh, He was a great man of faith, a strong warrior. I could never be like that. Well, let me remind you that this same David that killed Goliath was the same David that oogled at Bathsheba and committed adultery and murder. You remember that story? This same David that led the armies of Israel couldn't lead his own household and keep his family together. This same David that killed the Philistines also ran and hid with him whenever he was being chased later on in his life. You know what I'm saying is that David is just like me and you. You know, some days we have great victories. Other days we have great struggles. Some days we're praising God and the next day we're yelling at the driver who cut us off on the freeway, you know. That's the way our lives are. We're just normal people, but God loves us and he wants us to trust him and he can accomplish great things in our lives. There's an old chorus that I used to sing years ago. Probably have never heard of it. It simply says, God, any rivers you think are uncrossable? God, any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible and he can do what no other power can do. Great chorus. You know, God's specialty is to do the impossible. And God wants to work in your life to help you overcome any giants that you're facing. And God can do it. I love this last verse I want to share with you, 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What giants do you have this morning? Can you cast them on him? Because it says, he cares for you. We need to cast on him these things. What giants are you sending his way? Let's look at it one more time, how we overcome our giants. Realize who you are in God. You're a child of the living God. Refuse to run from your giants because you're never going to get away from them. Rely on God and recognize that it's his battle. It's not yours. And then remember, rehearse in your mind the past victories that God has done. These things will give you boldness as you stand before your giants to defeat them.
Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you that you're a great God and that you're continually working on our behalf. I pray that you would open our eyes of faith so that we could see how great you are and how much you work for us, how much you love us. And Father, I ask that if there's anyone here this morning who really doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would help them to realize they don't have to face their giants alone. That Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we thank you that we can cast all our cares upon you, and you'll help us to defeat the giants in our lives. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.